This is the John Muzo Leadership Podcast. Today I have with me uh, Pastor David Swan, Faith Family Christian Church in Clovis, New Mexico. Yes, sir. And you have been there for 37 years, right? And about 14 days. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I can't not... believe my friends are as old as you, Swan. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's not been bad. It's been great. <laughs> and uh, you guys started the church, pioneered the work. Yes. Um, what most people don't know about you or your church, if they don't know you, is that the influence you've had in your community and the journey that you had was, was, was not an easy journey in the beginning, but you, you, all, you made some serious adjustments, and now uh, I mean, you're influencing such a large percentage of your county. And so just, just as a matter of just filling people in, uh, and, and we're not talking about the size of churches being better than other churches. You're in a smaller area. I mean, New Mexico, you're in Clovis. I mean, it's not a small, small town, but it's not a lot around Clovis once no. you get out of there, right? 40,000 is the population, and then the count is only 45,000. So uh, it's not large. And um, for 10 years, we didn't grow. We didn't break 150. Uh, probably averaged on good years 125 and uh, made some adjustments after the 10-year mark um, just to be more evangelistic, yeah. to, to make our services more appealing for friends to come to. And that's when we saw it begin to you know, gain traction. And then from there, we saw the church just grow and just grow, 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 grow. And so... Um, Last year is the best year we've ever had. We we had uh, we reached fifteen percent. It's amazing uh, of the population on Easter. We had six thousand on Easter, and of course, everybody has big numbers on Easter. But but you know, it's not uncommon for us to run twenty five hundred. It's amazing during the you know during our weekend services. So you know, we figure about four or five thousand people call our church their home. Well, the, one of the reasons I do these is I want people to be exposed to people who are, are, have not just came out of the womb successful as pastoring. You, hit a, you, hit a, you had 10 years of struggle. Yes. When you felt like you weren't fulfilling your mission of your heart, right? Right, right. Then you stepped into that, that, that greater, that greater as a capacity in your heart. And now, I guess for uh, 22 years, you have been growing and thriving and reaching people in a way that you probably only dreamed of in the early days. Yeah, this is, I'm getting to live a dream now. Well, that's Reaching our hope people, that you know. these podcasts actually are, are to empower other people to live those dreams, David, because I know uh, if you've been doing this that many years, that means you're not 25 anymore. And there are people that want, that are listening right now. Some are in the middle of the struggle. Some are at the beginning of their stages, maybe some at the end of their ministry stages of life. But uh, but fruitfulness is desperate for all of us. And so, yes. But I want to get to the topic that I ask you what you would like to talk about today and the influence of the church. And and, and I noticed you wanted to talk about it's the influence of, of Jesus' words in our spiritual lives, that is the life of our church and uh, our, our culture and even our, the financial realms. And so so just kind of talk to me just a little bit about where that's coming from in your heart and kind of specify for us what that looks like for you to talk to the, us today about it. Well, Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, he said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, the word church there is the Greek word ecclesia. And uh, the etymology of that word goes back to the Greeks about 500 years before Now, if you're Jesus. like me and, and, and I don't know what an etymology is and such, could you help us just... That's like the genesis of the word. Okay, the word you. began with the Greeks, yes. and they, did, they established that word to describe uh, a political gathering. Okay. 
So people would get together to, to decide, do we want to go to war? You know, pretty significant right. things about yeah. their for their city, their community, and their nation. So they called that the ecclesia when they would come together. Well, yes. the Romans conquered the Greeks, and they liked that term, and then they used it, and they they expanded it. And so when the Romans would come in and defeat uh, a nation, they would send in the ecclesia behind them to establish Roman culture and law. So Jesus, having come in in ministry amongst the Romans, he said, well, I'm going to build my ecclesia. The Romans had their ecclesia, which they would come in with their law and their culture to, to reestablish the Roman way. The Greeks did it from a standpoint of making decisions out, out of a political uh, mindset. But Jesus said, I want to build my gathering, my ecclesia, which Jesus was saying, I'm going to build it. And the, the context was in uh, Caesarea, or Caesarea Philippi, where it was really ungodly. It was a dark, dark right, city right. where he said it. And he said, I'm going to build my culture right here. I'm going to build my gathering that's going to affect culture, that's going to affect the, this city, that's wow. going to affect nations. And, I mean, look, over the 2,000 years of Jesus Christ, dude, the church has changed the world. I mean, sure if, has. had you and me been with Paul and Peter the day they died because they died on the same day, yeah. we could have come back in a time capsule and said, hey, fellas, listen, everything you did is worth it. There's churches everywhere now, all over the world. And, and Nero and the Roman culture is not survived, but Jesus' culture has. That's amazing. And so Jesus wants to build his culture in every community, and he does it through his gathering. He does it through the body of Christ. He does it through precious people and leaders. Yeah. We need leaders to to give focus and purpose and vision and, and understanding of how each person fits in this big, beautiful picture of yeah. the ecclesia. Well, I'm just glad I have a friend that can use the term the etymology of the ecclesia in a sentence, and it means something. It's good to have smart friends, David. Well, <laughs> I only act smart. I'm not really that smart. No, talk to us a little bit about how how, how that affected uh, the, the lives of, of the church and the spiritual lives of the church, and how the how that that the the, the ecclesia that Jesus wanted to set the the culture. How is that actually meant by his words to translate into our everyday lives and into the lives, culture of the church, spiritually? Obviously, spiritually, he goes on to say right after that in verse 18 and verse 19 of Matthew 16, he said, and I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. So as, as men of God and as sons of God and daughters of God, we carry spiritual dominion. Through Jesus Christ, not it's not ours; it's His that He grants us. Because when we got born again, we got translated out of the kingdom of darkness and placed in the kingdom of His dear Son. And so, Jesus said in Luke twelve, "It's my good pleasure to give you the kingdom." So right. Jesus is not withholding the kingdom. In fact, He gave us the keys. Yes. So spiritually speaking, behind the scenes, we can begin to influence. Uh, I. Back in '96, the Lord told me after we had we bought a building, and it wa- it wasn't a great building, but it was a building, and we fixed it up and made it nice, and we were moving to our new facilities that were brand new, you know, that we personally built and designed. And I kept thinking, boy, we need to sell this building. We need to sell it. And one day, it just came up in my heart, why don't you give it away? Mm-hmm. So, so we gave we gave that building away to another church 
in 96. Well, the Holy Spirit one day in prayer was speaking to me in the year 2000, 2001, and he said, when you guys obeyed your heart and you obeyed my voice to give that building away, you broke the spirit of poverty over this city. And so, you know, what we've seen is our city begin, has begun to thrive financially. Um, It's influenced, it's influenced, uh, obviously, our church, our church, from the time we gave that building away to now, we're four or five times bigger in attendance. And so, but the influence, but people sometimes don't know because they don't know you, they don't know the story, is that the influence that your church has had on the culture of your city, that it's a, it's it's a destination place for people that that are hurting, even for your local government, and they look to you all simply because of the influence. So are you saying, in a sense, that it's kind of like how the Roman government would go somewhere and actually conquer, but they did it, of course, through force and tyranny. That we're doing this very same thing, but we're doing own... through love. Yeah, exactly. How we yeah. conquer now is you conquer evil with love, and so it's not just me; it's we. It's the whole, the ecclesia, it's the whole body of Christ influencing. We got new coaches at a, our high school. Actually, there's a, another, there's three schools, high schools close to us, not in the same city, but all three of the high school football coaches are born again, spirit-filled, and one of them's brand new, and he said, he said I believe God's brought me here to change the culture wow. of our team to be more Christ-like, to be more kingdom, kingdom of God. And I was like, I was just like... You don't even know how you're you're prophetically speaking yeah. what Jesus said that in every crook and cranny, in every uh, occupation, every career field, every school, every, the government, um, every you know every career that we can influence through people being Christ-like yes. through love and doing doing things Christ's way, doing His way, not our way. So, David, if a guy or a lady's listening to this and they're pastoring. And maybe they're in a really, really small area where those type of numbers really aren't even possible just by just by the sheer reality of demographics. Or they're maybe in a place where they feel like they should have done more, and there's more in their heart, and they're kind of they've hit a wall. But what I'm hearing you talk about is the influence that we can have, literally life by life, but then ultimately affecting our, our region, our city, our influence, our family. First, our own lives, of course. So when you talk about how, how, talk to me about how Jesus' words will translate culturally into, and in, if you're that leader that's hearing this, how do I how do I apply that? If I maybe either maybe if things aren't going great, or I, I feel like we're making some strides, but how does that apply to a guy that he's just trying to get through the to the next issue at his church, and he's trying to punch through these walls? How does this message? inspire that person or equip that person to kind of make some some gains that otherwise they may not have made. Well, I understand this, Pastor. You are not any different than Pastor John or myself. No matter where you get to in, in, in an influence and affecting your community, there's always more to do. We've never reached the top. Right. So we're always striving for more. We always sense there's greater capacity inside of me and inside of my congregation to do more for Jesus. So that never ends. Just learn that you're going to live with that till you go to your grave. Right. But second of all, go back to vision. Go back to Jesus's vision of the church. A lot of times, if we're not careful, we get shrunk or shrink wrapped into the American church. This is how it's always been done. When in reality, Jesus's thought was so much bigger than ours. He, he wanted he wanted your whole community 
influenced by his love. The whole community influenced by purpose. And to to actually be affected with a dream that I could make a difference, not only in my city, but I could make a difference in my state and around the world. That none of us are, I mean, you know, the Jews said, you save one life, you save the world entire. That what we have to look at is, we have to look at that, that it's not how much I haven't done, it's do what you can do. Right. Do what you can do, and then it, the results are always always kind of surprise me that they all, always get outside of me. Things bigger than me begin to happen just because I live with this vision that Jesus wants to build a church that's that changes everything. That yeah. like the Romans, they would conquer, but then once it was conquered, they'd come in and change culture. Right, and that's what we're doing with everybody. The culture of our world is corrupt. Sure is. And the corruption that's in the world is significant, like never before. But what we bring in is is a new way, is a, is a new way of doing business, a new way of, of relating in our families. And, and so go back to vision, go back to yeah. vision that it's bigger than you, and don't, don't get caught in a numbers trap because Jesus keeps score totally different sometimes than we do. Yeah, he sure does. You know, and, and the, those first 10 years of me never growing, and struggling and fighting. There were three guys that got born again the first year. One's pastor in a church of 12,000. One's pastor in a church of 2,000. One's pastor in a church of 1,000 right now. And I mean, if you'd asked me when those guys got saved that they'd be doing this, I would have laughed in your face and said, Jesus couldn't do that. But with the amazing those guys. thing, I know the stories of those guys that they were actually your friends. One is your brother, right? Yeah, one's my brother. And, 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 I, and since I've talked to all of them, uh, none of them saw this in your future when you were kids, by the way. And uh, to see, but that's a perfect example of of there were certain things that weren't going how you wanted them to go. And and I think for a lot of us, I think only heaven's going to let us know our eternal reward, the impact we've actually had, because we may not get the opportunity to actually have that kind of relationship where you know the things that have happened. And so, the 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 way you think today. Has has been shifted from the way you used to think. Oh yes, yes. And so, in that sense of the of the ecclesia, as you were affecting, as the Romans would, the actual the way people live their lives. How do the words of Jesus about the church even translate financially? Because I know that's something that was in your heart to talk about. Well, two, you know, when Jesus said when he's raised from the dead, he said, "All authority in heaven and earth is given unto me." And so it's really Jesus. Then in Hebrews it said that Jesus is the rightful heir of the whole world, that through conquering on the cross, his death, then his resurrection. So it really all belongs to Jesus. Now the devil, who's the little G-O-D of this world, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, he tries to make us think he's the one in charge and the one in control when it all really belongs to Jesus. The riches, the wealth, all that belongs to Jesus. And that we got to realize it, it really should be in the hands of the church, right. not in, and, and what I mean by the church, the ecclesia, the people of God, not just an they organization. Can use it for the influence to yeah. propagate the gospel, yes. which our call is to get the gospel out before the end can come. Yes. So our whole focus as the ecclesia has to be to build great lives, to honor Jesus, and then out of out of building a great life and a great family, that He would use us to expand His kingdom. And finances are part of that. We can't really right. do much in life without money. Right. So, you know, he, he again, use those keys. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in him where you loose. And so then he gave us other principles that the way you get wealth 
is is you give. Right. And then not only do you give, but you work hard. You do well. I mean, I started thinking about how do people in my church reap? Right. You know, they don't have people put money in their hand. Right. They create, like they did in the promised land, they create sustainable crops. They create yes. repeatable. Or what we want to do is we want to we want to create residual income where money comes to us on a regular basis where we create it. And it just every month it's coming yes. because of, of the businesses and and the, the streams of income through yes. investments that we've created, relationships and all that. So... God wants the money in the hands of godly people. Right. He, did, he never wanted it in the hands of ungodly people. In fact, he said they'll store it up for the wealth for the for the righteous. Right, right. So, I just want to build into my people the consciousness that Psalm one twelve says that the man that loves God, fears God, you know, uh, d- delights greatly in his commandments. Wealth and riches will be in his house. Right. That God intended for wealth and riches to be in your house. That. That's the way it ought to be. If it's not that way, keep playing till it happens that way. Exactly. Keep playing till you win. So, I mean, I'm, you know, I have guys tell me all the time, you got people in your church that are wealth so much, worth so much money, not because their intelligence brought them, but right. their expectancy. Yes. Brought them to a place where they literally kept playing till what they expected to happen yep. happens. Now, I heard Willie George say this because when you talk about someone prospering in a kingdom mindset, so often people think, well, God's going to show up at my house and throw an opportunity in my lap, or have somebody call me up and say, God told me to give you a bunch of money, which is obviously not, not that God couldn't do that, but it's, let's just say, it's a very rare thing if that happens. Yeah, that would right? be uncommon. But I heard Willie George say this, is that what most people don't understand about that concept is that God uses channels. Uh, Elijah, it was at the brook cherub, and, and God used that as a channel. It dried up. Go to the widow woman, use it as a channel. That that lasted for so long. And when the drought was over. And so channels, Peter getting his taxes out of out of the mouth of a fish. I don't know the channel God has given individual people. But but I know that in our cases in, in ministry, we're seeking to follow the channels, the paths, the opportunities, and maximize those that God's given us. And that's true for people within the kingdom financially that are serving God as in a pastoral or leadership role, or those outside of quote the the ministry system, uh, that finding those channels yes. and trusting God yes. because you 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 always had in your in your heart, David, to reach people, but when that when you began to add resources around you, you began to break through barriers of your own thinking, and and if I were going to wind this down today, is that the first place. The culture changed from knowing you was in your own head, yes, and in your absolutely. own heart. Can you just take our final minute, just minute or two here, and talk to a pastor about being willing to break through the cultural barriers of their own belief system, and just encourage them if you could as we wind this down. Well, one of my belief systems that were really good is that God would do things, God would work, God would move, God would do that. So that was good. The negative was. I always said, which I thought was faith, but in truth it was just hope. If that's going to happen someday, mm-hmm. you know, people talk about the revivals coming. Yeah. That's all hope. That's no faith. There's no faith in that. Faith is now. If it's not now, it's not faith. So, the reality is, a lot of things that we were taught in church growth was in unbelief or fear. It wasn't really believing God for it. Right. So, the first thing the Lord had to deal with me about is that that I've been in unbelief about church growth, mm-hmm. that he wanted the church to grow more than I did. Yeah. 
and that he died for him and paid a lot heavier price than I ever would. So he said, get it straight in your mind. I want this more than you do. So treat me like a partner. Don't treat me like I'm holding out on you. Right. So that was the first adjustment I made. That's huge, by the way. Which it sounds simple. That's not simple. But the, for the rest of my life, it's affected me. Yeah. That I always say, God, you're my partner. You yep. want this more than I do. So I'm just going to trust you to do what you already want to do. Come on, Lord. I, I take the keys you give me and open the door. Come on in. Yeah. Come on in, Holy Spirit, make this happen. Talk about changing a culture in your head, huh? Oh, and so he said, you know, and, and he said, as your soul prospers, things will prosper around you. So your thinking is huge. Now, one of the things the Lord dealt with me about is and being in a small city. I said to him in 99, I said, you're going to come back. You're going to return, and I will have not built you anything great. I mean, 125 people, I just didn't feel like I'd done anything significant, and I hadn't in my own heart. And uh, he said uh, he said to me, he said, well, uh, he said, first of all, I don't want you to leave. I want you to stay here. And he said, and I said, yeah, but Lord, you're going to come back, and I'll not do anything great. And he said, he said this to me. John was huge. He said, if you'll just obey me and do what I tell you to do, and I come back, I'll reward you as if you built something great for me because you did obey me. Mm-hmm. And Honest to goodness, I relaxed yeah. from being under this numbers game and this numbers Which is pressure. an external culture that doesn't come from God. It doesn't come from right. God because it, it always is limiting. Numbers yes. are always limiting because God's way bigger than every number we can. Uh, right. <laughs> we can't establish a number that's exactly. bigger than him. Exactly. So the reality is I relaxed and I quit putting pressure on myself and I started saying to myself, just obey. Yeah. Just do do what's in your heart. Then the thing, this, the the next thing I'd say to pastors is follow your instincts. Yeah. If your instincts think it's going to work, go for it. But yeah. if your instincts kind of hold you back and say, "Oh, I don't think that's going to work," don't do it. Right? Don't right. do it. Don't follow through because there's no confidence. Everything I do now, John, I have to have. I ask myself, do I have supreme confidence? In? Yes. If I do, go, man. Run as fast as you can. Yeah. Run as hard as you can. And every barrier you run into, run right through it. Just exactly. bang through it. Because you just have confidence. But when I have a little doubt in me yeah. that my, my instincts are telling me this is not going to work, right. I back, I, it doesn't work. Right. So the one thing I really learned in the 90s in my second 10 years of ministry was follow my instincts because yeah. they're right. Nine, nine, nine times out of 10, they're right on. And so I'll just tell pastors, pastors, just, just ask yourself simply, is this what God wants me to do? Yep. Am I loving these people? Am I encouraging them? Am I strengthening them? Am I giving them a picture of the greatness of God? Yep. Or am I, am I shrink-wrapping God into this little box yep. of our little community, of our little-sized church? Listen, it's all of us together. Yep. We make up the ecclesia, all of us. Exactly. And we need you, dude. We need you to be strong and powerful and love your people from the depth of your heart. Well, David, thank you. I'm glad it was my instinct to ask you to help us today and do this podcast. Thanks for taking the time. And uh, would you just close? We're going to close in prayer and just pray for those who are listening to this that, that they'll be able to take some of these next steps, and then we'll close. Father God, we love you so much. Thank you for these pastors. Lord, I know what it feels like to feel insignificant. And Lord, if any of them are encountering those emotions, Lord, I just ask you, reach down into the deepest part of them and remind them of your purpose and your call on their life, that it's not a small thing, but a big thing, and that they're making a huge, significant difference, way larger than they can even see with their eyes right now. Let them be faithful. 
with all their hearts, Lord. Let the fruit of the spirit of faithfulness flourish inside of them and around them, Lord, and let them have joy in this season, Lord. Let them have peace and joy in their life. Let them enjoy their family. Let them enjoy their life. That, Lord, we're called to receive eternal rewards and to see people's lives literally be transformed by the power of your word. Lord, thank you for these pastors. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, David. And we'll see you all next month. Thanks again for tuning in to the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to rate, review, and share this podcast on iTunes. It's a great way to get the word out and to help others grow as leaders. We'll see you back here next time for another episode of the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast.